Hello everyone and Namaskar. So today's podcast is a continuation of the reading of the book titled Ananda Murti, the Jamalpur Years. And this is a reading of the 10th chapter titled Bindeshwari's New Lease on Life. For those who are established in introspective trance, the objects that are visualized internally appear to be indistinguishable from their own ego. Onlookers cannot comprehend such a state as this. Some ridicule such sadhakas, spiritual aspirants. Some call them crazy or mad. They do not know that to become like them requires the merit of several births and demands a concentrated yearning to attain the one to the exclusion of all. It is only these lunatics that can lead the collective mind forward. When Agina arrived at the ashram, on Sunday, January 9, the first thing he noticed was a no-smoking sign by the door. Alongside it was a second sign with a Sanskrit couplet from the Guru Gita. Shiva Ruste Gurustrata Gurau Rustana Kashchana If God is angry with you, the Guru will protect you. But if the Guru is angry with you, then no one can protect you. Nagina could not help but flash a wry smile as he entered the premises. Inside the compound, preparations were underway for the evening Dharma Chakra, or DMC, as Baba referred to it. A few disciples were busy preparing a small race platform on the veranda for Baba to sit on while he delivered his discourse. Others were in the kitchen preparing food for the collective meal. By the time Baba arrived, between 60 and 70 disciples had gathered to attend. Though Ananda Marga was only nine days old, they had already begun referring to themselves as Ananda Margis, or simply Margis. Baba's talk that evening was the first in a long series of discourses delivered over several years that together would contain a systematic exposition of the spiritual philosophy of Ananda Marga. He began at the beginning with an explanation of yogic cosmology and the interplay of forces that govern the express universe, paying special attention to the influence of these forces on the human mind. His scientific approach to spirituality made it clear that he was reinterpreting ancient mystical teachings in a language adapted to the needs of the modern human being and the generations to come. He also took advantage of the philosophical platform to show how caste consciousness degrades the human mind. The followers of Ananda Marga have no caste, he told his disciples. They do not acknowledge the baneful and delusory man-made classifications. Finally, Baba explained the significance of the sound OM symbol for the cosmic sonic vibration that accompanies the creation of the universe. He explained how advanced yogis are able to perceive that sound in their meditation and follow it to its source, the infinite supreme consciousness. Then he instructed the disciples to sit in meditation posture and concentrate their minds. Everyone will now hear this sound, Baba said. In accordance with the stage of sadhana, they have attained Within a few minutes, 
everyone started hearing the OM sound, some very faintly, like the distant hum of crickets, others so clearly that they quickly became absorbed in the sound and entered into trance with cries of hum and baba. After ten minutes or so, Baba ended their meditation by intoning a Sanskrit chant. When everyone's eyes were open again, he explained the theory of Kundalini and the various symptoms that a yogi experiences as the Kundalini rises through the chakras. Then he called Shiva Shankar Banerjee to the front and asked him to close his eyes and begin meditating. As on previous occasions, Baba commanded his disciples Kundalini to rise through the chakras one by one. Shiva Shankar's body began to writhe like a snake. As the Kundalini moved upward, he exhibited the various symptoms that Baba had just described. When the Kundalini reached the seventh chakra, he fell backward in trance and remained motionless. While Baba explained the subtle nuances of the samadhi that he was experiencing. Finally, Baba ordered him to be normal. Gradually, he regained his normal consciousness. When the demonstration was over, the disciples performed Guru Puja collectively for the first time. A couple of the newer initiates had brought fruit and flowers to offer to the Guru, as was tradition in the Hindu community. But the other disciples explained to them that Baba did not prove of physical offerings. They instructed them to offer mental flowers instead, symbolic of their attachments and desires. While offering a mental lotus in whatever color most attracted their mind, they were to ask God or the Guru to free them from those desires and attachments that hindered their spiritual progress. A few months earlier, Nagina had questioned Baba about this injunction. Baba, it is our tradition that one does not go empty-handed before one's guru or one's king. If nothing else, one should take green leaves, fruits, flowers, or even fresh water as an offering. Nagina, it is true that in olden days, the guru wanted the disciple to offer him fruit, but which fruit? The fruit of his actions. In time, the spirit of this was lost, and guru started accepting sweet fruits instead of the karma of their disciples. Now this has become a custom. You are free to offer the fruits of your actions whenever you like, but not actual fruits. Furthermore, if I accepted fruits from you, then your poor brothers would also do the same. This would put them into financial difficulties. If I accepted those fruits, knowing full well the economic difficulties involved, it would not be ethical on my part. Do you want Baba to discriminate among his disciples? Rather, the disciple should only ask that the Guru's desire be fulfilled. Baba, sometimes when I see something nice, I feel a desire to bring it for you. What should I do in such situations? In that case, you should offer it to me mentally. Then and there, I will receive it, and then you can take it as prasad. After the program, the marg is dispersed, except for pranay and Haragobin Mandal, who remained with Baba in his room. Baba was talking to them about the future of Ananda Marga and the profound impact it would have on human society, when he suddenly said, 
Now that I have started Ananda Marga, my mission on this earth is complete. You people will get the work done. Now allow me to leave my physical body. At first they couldn't quite believe what they were hearing. But when Baba laid down and asked them to chant, Haribol, Haribol, his voice grew weaker and weaker. It dawned on them that he might be serious. Overcome by emotion, they grabbed Baba's feet and implored him to stay. Their voices quavered and tears wet their cheeks, but Baba remained silent, seemingly too weak to reply. After repeated entreaties, however, he finally acquiesced. Help me to sit up, he said in a whisper. My whole body is in pain. The two disciples started massaging his arms and legs. Gradually, Baba's physical strength returned. Finally, he promised that he would stay and help them complete the mission of Ananda Marga. After they had left the master at his house, Pranay and Haragobin walked together for some time, discussing the strange event they had witnessed. Neither of them knew quite what to make of it. The following week, Baba suggested that DMC be held each month on the Sunday closest to the full moon. The Margis met together and decided that the next DMC would be held in Bagalpur, since Bagalpur had the greatest number of disciples outside Jamalpur. In the meantime, Baba completed Pranay's Acharya training and authorized him to start giving initiations. He also started training five more Acharyas, Chandranath Kumar, Shiva Shankar Banerjee, Sukumar Bos, Shishir Dutta, and Chandranath's wife, Ram Paridevi. When their training was completed in March, Baba stopped personally initiating disciples. On the morning of February 6th, Baba arrived with Pranay at Chandranath's Sergeant Major's quarters in Bagalpur for the second official DMC. The first thing he did after his arrival was to ask Chandranath to bring him everyone in the family who was not initiated. One by one, Chandranath brought his three children. The fourth was a baby at that time. His cook, Makan, and his 80-year-old aunt to Baba's room. When his aunt, a devout Hindu, entered the room, she said, Guruji, what can I do at this old age? My body has become weak and infirm. Baba smiled and said, Ma, do what you can. I will do the rest. By noon, some 35 disciples had gathered in the living room. Baba gave a discourse entitled, Karma and Karma Fala, Actions and Their Reactions, in which he continued his delineation of the interplay of forces that gives rise to the universe, and detailed the theory of cause and effect, action and reaction, both on the macrocosmic and microcosmic levels. He ended the discourse with an explanation of the yogic practice of Madhuvidya, the technique whereby a yogi learns to act without creating new reactions or samskaras, thus paving the way for liberation. During his discourse, Bindeshwari was seated just to the left of Bawa's cot. Midway through the talk, Bindeshwari's breathing started to become labored. Moments later, he cried out, No, no! Baba paused and looked at him. Some of the other disciples, who knew of his heart condition, became afraid that he might be having a heart attack. Suddenly, 
without getting up or uncrossing his legs, Bindeshwari started crawling towards Baba until he collapsed with his head on Baba's lap. Baba put one hand on his head and said, Be calm. There is no need to worry. I am always with you. With his other hand, Baba signaled for Nagina to remove Bindeshwari from the room. Helped by another disciple, Nagina carried him to the drawing room while Baba continued with his discourse. They laid him on a sofa where he continued to mutter, No, no, and other words that no one could understand. At the end of the discourse, Baba called Deep Narayan to the front and demonstrated a specific form of samadhi on him. Deep Narayan later recounted that during the demonstration, he felt an electric current surging up and down his body and sparks of something akin to electricity jumping from chakra to chakra until he finally lost consciousness, overwhelmed by a tidal wave of bliss. When he recovered his senses, the DMC was over and he was alone in the room. After the program, Baba went to his room and called for Nagina. Nagina, he said, Bindeshwari was supposed to have died today. It was his time. But since he was in DMC, I gave him another lease on life. I gave him a little bit of my own prana and my own mind, enough to keep him alive. However, he's going to start to act very strangely now. Though he's a grown-up, he's going to start acting like a little child. You'll have to take care of him. One more thing, whatever you do, don't tell him that he was supposed to have died today, or that I have deferred his death. Nagina went into the next room to check on his cousin. He found him surrounded by a small group of disciples. He was alternately laughing and crying, repeating over and over again that Baba had saved him from the jaws of death. What are you talking about, Nagina asked. Bindeshwari reached out and tearfully grabbed his cousin's hands. My heart began to palpitate, and I became overpowered by fear, so I crawled into Baba's lap, sure that I was about to die. As soon as I reached Baba's lap, my life force left my body, and I became dead. But then I felt the force injected into me. I regained consciousness, and felt myself being thrust back into my body. Again, Bindeshwari started crying loudly, telling everyone that Baba has saved him from the jaws of death. When he calmed down a bit, he turned again to Nagina and said, It's thanks to you also that I'm alive. If you had not forced me to come to DMC, I would have certainly died at that moment. When Nagina informed Baba that Bindeshwari was telling everyone that he had given him new life, Baba closed his eyes for a moment. When he opened them again, he said, since I gave him a small bit of my own prana and mind when he was dying, he knows what is in my mind. Anyhow, let him say whatever he wants. Just tell him forcefully that he is speaking nonsense. Be very cautious in this regard. Bindeshwari remained in an abnormal state for a period of several weeks. One moment he would laugh, and the next moment he would cry. Sometimes he would start trembling. His face will turn red, and he will fall silent, completely absorbed in his ideation, except for an occasional exclamation of, Baba, Baba. At other times, he would declare that he was Baba, and ask people to prostrate in front of him. Nagina took a leave of absence to remain in Jamalpur and take care of him. 
During the day, Bindeshwari would often climb onto his lap like a young child. At night, he insisted on sleeping with Nagina in the same bed. This alarmed Bindeshwari's family. They began to blame Nagina for his madness. Finally, Nagina went to Baba for help. Baba told him to bring Bindeshwari to see him. As soon as he entered Baba's presence, Bindeshwari became completely abnormal. Baba scolded him and threatened to suspend the ecstasy he had given him if he continued to act that way. This helped him to calm down. Baba then gave Nagina instructions to keep Bindeshwari away from him for some time, since being in his presence would only exacerbate his condition. Whenever he began to become abnormal at home, he should remind him that Baba would be angry with him if he found out that he was acting that way. The recipe worked, and Bindeshwari gradually regained his normal consciousness. Normal, that is, for Bindeshwari. For the rest of his life, Bindeshwari would enjoy a well-deserved reputation for spiritual intoxication. As the years went by, he would become known for being able to see other people's thoughts, effecting miraculous cures, and putting people into the state of trance by touching them between the eyebrows. Baba made it clear that he disapproved of such things, but when other disciples would complain about it, Baba would smile and tell them to let Bindeshwari be. After the DMC, Chandranath's elderly aunt practiced her meditation as sincerely as possible. She quickly began to share the faith in Baba that she had seen blossoming in her nephew and his wife. In October of that year, Ram Devi went to Jamalpur for Baba's darshan. Now your aunt's time on this earth is drawing to a close, Baba told her. Be ready. She went back to Bagalpur and informed her husband. The whole family was put on alert. A couple of days later, the old lady who had been growing weaker by the hour finally collapsed. Makan carried her to her bed while Rampari Devi sent a messenger to bring Chandranath from the office. By the time Chandranath arrived, her breathing had become very faint, but she was still conscious. He brought a picture of Baba in Varavaya Mudra and held it in front of her eyes. Picture Baba's image in your mind, he told her. The old lady's eyes closed. Do you remember your Easter mantra? He asked. She nodded. Moments later, her head fell to one side, and she breathed her last. A few days later, Chandranath went to Jamalpur to inform Baba of her death. While they were walking, the master listened silently as Chandranath described her final moments. Don't worry, Baba said. She is with me now. She achieved her goal with her final breath. Thank you.